We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing esports PR. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice. As all of the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Michael Chavez Booth, known as MCB. He's the founding partner and head of sport and entertainment at the Boutique Strategic Communications Agency's POV Agency. He's also an adjunct professor at University of New Haven, teaching PR in media and esports, and a play-by-play announcer for onside press for the LA Chargers. Prior to POV Agency, MCB was a general manager for North America for the Storymar PR agency, a senior specialist for partnership and corporate communications for the NBA, and account executive at agencies Fleischman, Hillard, and Edelman. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to jump in the mix here and chat a little bit. Well, I appreciate it. So to start, you know, tell us about your past esports and gaming experience. You know, what was the first game you played and how did you get involved in the esports business? Oh, man, the first game that I played, that's a that's a tough one. I think it was uh, Ninja Turtles on Nintendo OG um, at extended daycare. So I went to a, a Catholic school when I was a kid and they had like in the extended daycare, you know, games and other things you could do to kind of keep yourself busy. You had to sign up for Nintendo. It was like a list. And I think you got like 10 to 15 minutes, which was pretty. <laughs> right now, thinking back on it, that was a pretty short amount of time. Um, but I used to rock with... Uh, with uh, Mario, Ninja Turtles, and then there was a baseball game that I was pretty high on as well. Um, and then eventually I got my own console. It was The first one was Sega, and then NES, and then from there on probably, I don't know, six, seven, eight more after that. Um, but <clears throat> got a love for gaming really early on in my childhood, and gamed pretty heavily up until college when I started reserving my money for booze and burritos, um, and, uh, I got back into it when I started working at the NBA, the National Basketball Association, because toward the end of my, toward the end of my time there, they were doing a lot with uh, 2k as a partner and they were just getting ready to launch the two, like the road to all-star kind of tournaments. Yeah, they were doing more of that. And then, it, and then they were starting to build the league and I actually helped launch the league from a PR standpoint and, you know, got everything together for that. And it, it kind of reignited my interest in space. And so, you know, following that, I, I started following esports and competitive gaming. Back then, people were still calling it all kinds of things, e-gaming, 
you know. Ooh, no. That one, that one irks me the most. Me too. Now, no. e-gaming, like <laughs> e-sports, e-sports, e with the big S, like e-gaming. All I don't iterations. Know. They were calling it all iterations back then. Um, but I kept following the space and eventually it led me to the story mob and, you know, spent the, the last two plus years over there before jumping back um, and doing my own thing. So that, that's, that's kind of where it's been. I've always been a big nerd uh, behind the scenes. So even though when I, even when I wasn't gaming, I was following the space. You know what's happening in the business. What are the new titles? What are the big players doing? Those kinds of things. So I would read the trades and follow up on Twitter and all kinds of stuff to kind of stay close to it. And that actually helped me a lot jumping back into esports and gaming as a full time career because I kind of had a, a general and you know soft knowledge of what was happening in the space. Amazing. Well, shout out to 2K League. You know, I'm an avid supporter. Was there, you know, day one and chose there a lot of weeks when I was here in New York for the first two seasons. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, so to kind of start, what is PR and what are some benefits that, you know, they kind of can provide to the esports and gaming world? Yeah. So PR is shorthand for public relations. Um, public relations is kind of what it sounds like. It's helping a brand organization um, or talent really tap into and engage its audience uh, or respective audiences via storytelling. Um, we kind of stretch that a little bit further at POV, and I know we'll talk about this in a second, um, and we handle communication. So it's not just working with traditional media, earned media, um, you know, like your CNETs of the world, your CNNs, uh, ESPNs, whatever, to try to help tell those stories. It's really honing in on what the narrative is, shaping your brand, and providing platforms and creating, um, you know, narrative that can come through those platforms to help you elevate who you are and what you do and why you're awesome. Um, in terms of esports, as you know very well, the ecosystem continues to grow, and there's all kinds of facets of, you know, that ecosystem, whether it be the competitive side or the business and partnership side, like marketing and you know, uh, working with different brand partners or platform partners. Um, even the front office, so the execs themselves and kind of what they're doing from a, maybe an office culture standpoint. Um, and then when you look at the competitive, it's about the players, it's about the coaches, it's about the attorneys, it's about the, you know, the origin stories and the history and all the great things that, that make it so exciting for the fans and helping elevate that in a unique way. So it's really about getting out there and waving that flag and, and helping, you know, different audiences understand what you're all about. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an exciting space. It can be very challenging. Um, and, uh, it, it continues to grow as the space continues to grow. Definitely. Interesting. So it's a lot of kind of helping kind of, you know, whatever the client is connect with the public, whether it's through newspapers, yeah. TV shows, appearances, all interviews, whatever it might be. Yeah. And I think more and more, and this is something that we're honing in on at POV, uh, my, my, my current, you know, current place of work, um, is telling those stories in unique and different ways. So, you know, not just going to, like you said, if it's a broadcast outlet or a podcast, for instance, um, and being like, here's a story I have to tell. It's really working in a collaborative fashion. So it's like you guys can create something together. Um, so one thing we do is we'll, we'll try to partner maybe talent or, um, corporations or organizations we're working with, 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 um, you know, brands or events or things that can stretch that storytelling a little bit differently and create a lasting impact as opposed to just 
here's a guy who's doing something great. It's like, here's a guy who's doing something great and look at it in action. And then you kind of thread that. Um, and so we're always trying to think a little bit bigger than just going out there and pitching and begging for coverage, if that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a really kind of important distinction. So kind of tell us a little about, you know, POV agency. What is it and why did you guys create it? Yeah. So I created the initial iteration of POV several years ago, early 2019. Uh, at the time, I called it MC Brand Communications because apparently I'm an egomaniac. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so that was me kind of branching off and doing my own thing for the first time in my career. Um, I decided following my, my, the previous stint that I wanted to kind of try my own hand and, and, and being my own guy and, and running my own clients and all those fun things. And, um, what do so you think I, of it? Man, it is so hard. Uh, <laughs> it is so hard. It, you know, when, when you're kind of running and gunning as yourself, um, you know, it's exciting, it's challenging, a little bit daunting, um, but what happened was I was doing that for, I want to say almost a year and then a little over a year. And then my wife, who's actually in the space as well, um, had actually just ended a partnership herself and she was looking for a place to kind of pick up and go. And so I said, why don't you come over here and why don't we partner up and see what we can do? And we had worked together a couple times previous to that at a number of different agencies, um, and so we, we kind of leaned in and we worked together for, you know, four or five months, had a couple projects we worked on and killed and, you know, brought home some, some really good uh, stories and output. And then we got to talking about family planning and I decided maybe someone else should be paying for my benefits. And so I started looking on the market and that's when I stumbled back into esports and gaming and found um, a listing for the Story Mob, which I went on to work and help um, help them kind of build for two years. But recently, and I know we'll get to the Story Mob in a sec, I came back. And while I was gone in those two years, Pilar grew that consultancy, being her and myself, into a team of 10. And now we have 10 um, multi-diverse communications practitioners that are really helping reimagine how PR and comms are done and, and who they're done by. And what's exciting is everyone on our squad are people of color. Uh, I'm the only man on the team, which we're going we're gonna to start to look for, for other male talent um, in the near future. But it's provided like this really cool perspective um, and it's become our strength. And that's why we rebranded. We rebranded to POV agency because we have such a unique POV and the team all comes into each of our clients and campaigns with something fresh and different to think about. So it's a really exciting time. Awesome. Well, tell us a little about some of the agency's past and current work and what kind of services do you provide for a potential client? Yeah, well, from the gaming perspective, right now we're working closely with HyperX on a big announcement. Um, you'll probably see it come across around the same time this podcast hits, at least I hope. Um, they're signing on another big talent ambassador, which is which is really awesome for the space. Um, that's a big project we're working on. We did some work previously with a company called Fanjoy, which is all about branding and merchandise within gaming and kind of streaming space. Um, but in the past, we've worked with you know, anything from Under Armour to Ice Cube's Big Three um, to what what Pilar's actually been able to do is carve out kind of an expertise in becoming the agency's agency. 
She, she works really closely with marketing agencies, influencer agencies, advertising agencies um, to help deliver their stories. So how are they, you know, working with their clients a la Clorox or, you know, this, this new and upcoming talent to kind of make, make them front and center. And we're going out and, and, and pitching those stories for them, which is unique and very niche. And she's been able to kind of clobber the space there. But I'm coming back to help really continue to grow and carve out our sport and entertainment uh, side of things, which includes esports and gaming. Um, so having a lot of conversations, there's a few things we're really close on um, that kind of span from from sneakers to um, to a couple other gaming titles and platforms. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to share those in short order. But um, there's pretty much... If it's out there, Justin, at this point, I think I've done PR for it. I got to be honest. I've done so many different things in so many different industries. So <laughs> been, been Amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that that's really important. And it, you know, kind of brings us to, you know, next question of tell us a little about, you know, what the story mob is and you know, what the company is and what your role was with them. Yeah. So the story mob, um, is another boutique agency, but it continues to grow and do some amazing things. Um, they sit at the convergence of gaming and culture. Um, they work with a number of esports slash competitive gaming uh, orgs and platforms. So when I was there, um, worked really closely with Team Liquid, um, worked really closely with Riot Games Esports, um, a number of different peripheral brands and platforms in the space, a couple of other competitive orgs as well. Um, we were also, before I left, delving further into the metaverse and kind of web three and how the crossover between gaming and that space continues to kind of push forward. Um, and obviously there's some endemic, you know, projects, um, and, and platforms and IP that's coming kind of from the inside out of that space. That's pretty exciting. Um, but we, we helped, like I said, storytell for those respective clients in that vertical and really help stretch kind of, you know, what they were saying about themselves, who they were saying it to, et cetera. Um, and I learned so much in that two years to, to think that I'm like a pseudo expert in comms as it relates to gaming and esports. now. It just blows my mind because, like I said, while I was still close to the space and watching the headlines and recognizing who the players were, that first six months was such a sprint to kind of catch up and figure everything out and learn about the nuance of respective tournaments and regions and players and, you know, how this free agency market worked and all those kinds of things. Um, but I'm so grateful for that experience because it's really helped me delve into new things. And I think the convergence with gaming and all the other verticals that kind of splice into gaming is going to be really beneficial for me as I move forward um, with POV. Absolutely. Do you kind of see this as maybe a new trend that you'll see more, you know, PR and communication agencies either just focusing on the esports and gaming world or yeah. having, you know, a department for it? Yeah, and there are. Um, there's a number of agencies that are dedicated solely to this, just like the Story Mob. Um, there's also an increasing amount of, you know, OG slash bigger agencies who, you know, have the capital and the resources to be able to kind of partition out a brand new specialization for this. So you look at, you know, some of our contemporaries like DKC is a good example where 
you know, they have their sports entertainment team, but an extension of that is their esports slash gaming. Uh, PMK is doing something similar. Um, there's a couple of others in the space that are, are doing something similar where it's like, you know, they're, they're either helping support gaming. Uh, so publishers primarily, um, or talent now, cause the, some of the streamers, as you know, are so big and kind of their own, you know, their own org in a sense, their own brand. Um, and so I really do feel like that's a trend. What is, what is difficult and what is going to be challenging is finding the balance between people that are really good comms pros and knowledgeable of the space and vice versa, because it is kind of niche still for, for this practice in this vertical. Um, it is a challenge that I saw when I was at the story mob. It was how do we find the folks that know what the heck they're talking about when they enter the room or enter queue, but also can tell a good story, can write, can get out there and pitch, can identify partners that make sense for storytelling, um, things like that. And so I think there's a new class of talent that's kind of coming up because people are, if they're superstars, they they check both boxes, but that's a rarity. So if they're one or the other, a lot of younger talent are now learning. You know, I'm a, I'm a diehard esports slash gaming guy. I'm learning and improving on my comms ability and look where I'm going or vice versa. I'm a diehard PR pro and comms person. And now I'm really delving into my love for gaming and I get to do it full time. So I'm discovering, you know, what that all looks like. And so to your point, yeah, it's going to continue to expand. Um, I think too, like I mentioned earlier, the benefit of some of the crossover from other verticals in and spaces is helpful because it's like you can you know, know some about gaming, but if you know a lot about automotive or, you know, peripheral, so like hardware, it still makes sense for you to be in the space because there's a lot of crossover there. Does that make sense? Definitely. I mean, I think that's kind of what I've been noticing, you know, in my yeah. respective field as well as just all the other professional fields around the world is you're having more accountants and CPAs and wealth management and financial advisors. And, yeah. you know, we have doctors and people that are just really, like you said, either a specialist in their area and learning some of the, you know, endemic knowledge or an endemic pro who's learning some of the more specialized stuff. Exactly. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool to see the two worlds or multi-worlds, multiverse, shout out to Marvel. I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Kind of create these spaces and opportunities for people. And I feel like you know, if people are savvy enough or wise to it, they can almost, you know, create their own positions um, and expertise and kind of be the guy in XYZ area. Um, I mean, again, looking at you and your background, you're doing it right now. You're figuring that out. You've, you've kind of, you know, created this, this specialization and coming from your true roots into, into your kind of your affinity for gaming. And now you're kicking butt in that space. So it's just, it's really cool to see it happen uh, in real time, you know? Well, I appreciate that. And I would say the same about you. You know, I'm, when I saw the story mob, they had released some manifesto, some PDF that really was really <laughs> interesting. And I read, I don't remember exactly what it is, yeah. but I was like, okay, well this is interesting because you know, I kind of, got in this a little bit before some other people did sure. and yeah you did was that was like oh wow like there's a pr agency that's like really honing in on this world because i yeah. noticed 
from what working with talent and coming from the more traditional world is I kind of had my own PR marketing, doing that for music blogs, hip hop, EDM blogs, pop music, and, you know, helping bring that similar over to the esports and gaming world. And how I was able to, you know, write for all these different publications and develop these outlets. It's kind of a similar world because no one else was really doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually how the story mob got founded. Um, you know, there were, there were, several women in gaming who were looking at the space and who was doing PR for competitive gaming specifically. And they were like, no one's doing this and no one, if then, if they are, they're certainly not doing it well. So they kind of ventured out and, and started their own thing. And it continues to be a, a real prominent force in the space. And, you know, even though we're, we're no longer immediately connected, I wish them the best of luck because they got some lovely people over there still. Definitely. And I love to just see people in the industry doing well and be innovative. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. For sure. For sure. I think we're all just trying to move forward and do good. Um, so it's it's good to see their continued growth, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So how does it work with a prospective client? You know, if someone comes in and it's like, yeah. okay, like I want to work with you. How does that process happen? Um, well, <clears throat> at POV, we recently developed some kind of screening protocol to help us determine, you know, where the synergies are and whether or not we want to align with folks. Um, what we've done, so taking a step back, the kind of clients that we go after, there's three categoricals. The first is, are they Davids? So, you know, you go back to the biblical script and David versus Goliath. So are they Davids? Are they kind of punching up? Um, the second piece is, are they culture drivers? So are they somehow moving the culture forward? Um, you know, that can, that can mean a lot of different things and can take a lot of different shapes. And the third piece is, are they doing dope shit? And basically that's kind of, um, you know, an internal response. You'll know it when you see it because you'll feel it. You know, this is, this is that energy or you just know when you know. Yeah, exactly. And that can be because, you know, maybe they're doing some good in the community or maybe it's something you've never seen before. And when you see it, you're like, holy smokes. And you have to like, you know, pick up your jaw kind of thing. Um, so what we look for is, are they two out of three? If they're two out of three, then we can continue the conversation. And typically what we do is we get to know them a little bit better. Um, we tell them about us, we give them our creds, tell them who we've worked with, um, typically give them, you know, kind of an overview of what we may do in uh, an opportunity to work with them. And if that vibes and we both like each other, we actually have a second secondary filter, which is basically a series of questions that we enumerate kind of a score for, for each of the prospects. And if they fall within, you know, whether it's like five to, to eight, then it's like, yeah, sure. If it's eight to 10, it's like, yeah, for, for sure. And then if it's 10 plus, it's like, absolutely, we have to chase these people. And that's a mix of like, you know, is it a place where we want to go? Is it a place where we've been? Do we feel like we can kick butt? Um, one thing that we face in 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 kind of the agency space as well as the gaming space is there are a lot of startups. So one consideration is, are the founders our point of contact? Because sometimes that can be difficult or challenging for either side. Um, you know, are they funded? Because we do have to pay the bills. Um, and by the way, we are flexible. We do try and to, how work. well are they funded? <laughs> yeah. And we're not out there just to go make a ton of money, but you know, we do have to keep our lights on. I have a team of 10 that I got to help manage. Um, but also, you know, if, if we have to get a little flexible on our pay structure, do we want to do that? And that's another consideration. Um, 
And so if that all vibes, then, you know, usually we'll put together a formal proposal and try to kick butt on helping them realize that we can add a lot of value immediately and long term. And then we hopefully engage and move forward after that. Um, it's, it's interesting right now because of, you know, kind of macroeconomics, what's happening and some companies are being a little bit reticent or closer to the vest than they typically would be. Also, the summer is always a fun time because folks are out of the office or they personally have other things going on. Um, but we've been doing pretty well since I've come on. I think we've signed and it's been about two months, four or five projects. Um, so it's boding well. I'm really hopeful that we close out the year strong. Um, hopefully that gives you a little more context on, on kind of how we approach the process. Amazing. I mean, I think that's a great kind of technique to do. And I think everyone out there should really kind of understand that, you know, not all projects are good projects and you have to have a, an ability to screen that out and to find what will work for you. Yeah. Because if you don't, you could be getting yourself into a terrible situation. <laughs> and sometimes it's trial and error. You know, sometimes you're, you're feeling good, feeling great. And then you get into something and both of you realize it's almost like a relationship. I mean, it is a relationship, but it's like, you know, a romantic relationship in some respects. You're like, yeah, you were good on paper and the first few dates were great, but this isn't working. How can we work together to move forward or go our separate ways and wish each other well? And that happens every now and again. And you learn from it and you grow. So it's not altogether always a bad thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> definitely. There are definitely always learnings and defeats and you know sometimes there's a victory in a defeat where it's like Absolutely. in hindsight i'm glad i didn't get this project exactly exactly yeah so in addition to working in the esports and gaming world you're also involved in the sports world including with the la chargers so yeah. what similarities have you noticed between working in the esports and you know the sports world and what kind of differences have you seen so when I first got into esports and gaming, one of the things that, like I mentioned, was having some familiar with the space and kind of the goings on. But another thing that was really helpful for me was there was a lot of nuance, especially in um, working with a couple of competitive orgs. That was like, that's so much like working with the Chargers. That's so much like working with the Clippers or you know anywhere else that I've been or had projects with. Because the, the nuance is so similar. It's like, you know, you got a front office, you got a bunch of athletes, you got uh, free agency, you have free agency drama, which is something I walked into when I started in the space, which was really interesting. Um, you know, you have brand partners, you have broadcast partners, like all these, all these things were very similar. Um, you know, you have controversies, like all kinds of things. Um, and then hopefully, you know, you have goodwill in the community and you have like fan engagement, um, platforms and things like that. So that was kind of easy to navigate the, the, the differences in like the competition and the fact that, that, you know, for team liquid, for instance, had like 115 athletes and streamers. That's not the same when you look at like, you know, the chargers or when you look at like an NBA team that has 20 guys and only yeah, 10 of them play. <laughs> Even a football team, you start camp with 90, you cut them down to 53. Like it's, it's just way different. Um, and they're all playing the same sport, you know, in esports and gaming, you go to an organization and team liquid again, for instance, had like 19 titles when I left that they competed in. So you just don't have that depth or breadth, um, that you, that you do in esports in, in traditional sports. Um, 
you know, I do feel like traditional sports has a little bit of the benefit in terms of longevity. They've been around longer, you know, they've kind of dusted off their knees um, just based on kind of early starts and stops. Esports is still growing. And you and I talked about this the other day, you know, there's, it's kind of settling a little bit based on the last few months, um, which I think is incredible and necessary. Um, but what's really cool for me is the crossover and convergence. You look at Boston Scott, who's like, you know, killing it uh, for Dignitas, but also is a pretty, you know, reliable player for the Eagles. Um, you know, or he might be on your fantasy team. <laughs> he might. You you look at uh, and working with Team Liquid. I was working closely with Ariel Powers from the WNBA, who is an incredible person, by the way. Um, and she's doing a ton on the court, off the court, in the queue. Like, you know, she's just really killing it in all in all facets. And then you have ownership groups now that um, or VCs that span both traditional sports and esports slash competitive gaming. Um, so I think the the space the spaces continue to, to to lean into each other. I think they're learning a lot from each other, and I think there's a lot of untapped potential there too. Um, and I will say, in my estimation, it's one way versus the other. I feel like traditional sports can do more to embrace gaming than it has. Um, I feel like esports and the gaming space has kind of opened its doors and recognized, okay, we also need this talent firepower uh, and some of these other resources like money and shared brand partners or venues even, right? Um, it's really cool to see, but there's a lot more to, 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 to do and we're not there yet. So that's kind of my take on it. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what the next 10, 15 years have in, in store for us. And who knows, man, maybe like down the road, it's the convergence of the sports too. Like your ultra athletes are also really good gamers because that's the way that the game is played. Like you're on a field, but you, there's a game, there's a, like a, a video game element to it, a VR element to it. I don't know. I, I think there's something there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think to the previous point of, you know, there aren't 30 NBA 2K league teams and there are 30 NBA teams, you know, there's yep. definitely someone who's known about some of the internal, they're just, teams that are just not interested in it. And I think that, you know, that's an internal conversation and it's just interesting. So what from the PR aspect, is there anything, you know, that you notice when maybe you're dealing with the esports and gaming institutions? Uh, that yeah. Well, from a PR or a PR component, a lot of our approach is the same. Where the challenge comes in is the, the knowledge of traditional media or the continued buy-in of traditional media. So traditional media meaning like the New York Times or the, the Washington LA Post. Exactly. You know, there's as you see as you've seen, I'm sure some of your listeners have, yeah, have Billboard, Rolling Stone. Yeah. Those are some of your traditional outlets. But what's happening is even some of the endemic, what we're seeing is the endemic outlets are shrinking, they're, they're cutting staff or they're eliminating. You or know, they're, they're becoming the sports business dailies, esports page. Right. There, there's a continued consolidation in some respect. But what's, what's frustrating is there's a lot, of, um, a lot of learning that's required for traditional media to kind of get and conceptualize, okay, why is this important? What does this audience look like? Oh, you mean there's some comparative narrative between this and traditional sports or just the fact that, you know, millions of people are following this particular title. Once you break through that, 
then there's a little bit of, you know, further education and and helping them recognize a story is a story and you could tell it the same way you would be telling any other story. But what, what I, what I struggled with the most was the the continuity. So maybe you get one good pop and it's like really awesome, but then you never hear from that person ever again because they already told the esports story. But you and I both know Mm -hmm. there are plentitude of stories within the space that are still not being told or not being told enough. And so, you know, I could work with the editor at X, X outlet and it takes us three or four months to get this big piece together. And then we get the big piece together and then they're like, thanks for that. And then I'm chasing them for the next year before we find another story opportunity. And I understand that the, the space continues to shrink in traditional media as well. But I do feel like there's a lot more um, that, could, that could be told and a lot more that could be showcased um, from the media standpoint. And Definitely. Not, so. And I think you see some like, you know, refinery 29 and hype beast yeah, and some of these right. more cult like that are just kind of like, we're going to have a gaming yeah. department gaming page and we're just going to have content. But I want them to stick with it. That's the hard part because you're right. Those are two excellent examples where they come through and, you know, they, they start to get going and they have some awesome stories and they have following and people are, you know, really serving up these awesome uh, opportunities for them to cover and this and that. But then, you know, they won't get the same hit that they did on one story versus the next. And I understand that, you know, content, um, the content planners over there, they need to look at the numbers and the the, the data doesn't lie. But like, sometimes you got to stick with it. You got to sacrifice a little bit for it to really move forward. And I feel like a lot of times, um, you know, these outlets, they enter and then they leave a little prematurely. Um, and it's kind of like, just hang on, just hang on. You almost got it. You almost cracked the code. Let's go. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like the numbers don't lie the same way you say there are hundreds of millions of people watching these events and spending money on this and playing these games. League of Legends doesn't have 180 million people that don't exist. Like these are people that exist. Yeah. So like, you know, they'll come to you eventually. You just got to work through a little bit of the suck in the initial, you know, several months or year. But once they're there, they're there, man. Like they're dedicated. So anyway, and, and that's and that's one thing that I'm trying to work on more is providing, you know, kind of those tweener stories where it's like, yeah, yeah, this is super gaming centric, but here is the lifestyle slash culture angle that you're really going to appreciate and hoping for kind of that, you know, that in between to, to help create that bridge for some of these outlets. But Amazing. So in addition to being a PR professional, you're also an adjunct professor, including teaching PR at you know media at esports course at University of New Haven, including acting as an adjunct at USC. So tell us about the esports PR class that you teach. What is some of the information that's covered and what can a student learn in it? So last semester I taught uh, esports. It was uh, PR and media and esports and gaming. And it was the first time they ever offered a class like this. Um, we got a lot of freshmen, sophomores, which is really encouraging, um, but not not many, if any. I think there were maybe one or two out of the 25 kids that I taught who had some background in comms and marketing. Um, and a few of them were very traditional sports-minded. A lot of them were esports and gaming-minded, including you know a number of the kids who actually played on the school's, the school's teams. Um, but basically, I was teaching them the fundamentals of PR and slash marketing. Um, and then from there, carried it into kind of what it all means for esports and gaming, similar to the conversation we had earlier. 
and working with them on practical exercises to kind of get them to understand from the things that they're seeing and digesting every day, how that all came together and how there is a practice behind it to kind of create it. And so we had, um, you know, some theory and some some general lecture, but then also a number of different guest speakers from Riot, um, a competitive org or two, some peripheral slash adjacent space. Um, you came in, kind of gave their perspective on where they got in their in their career. So I think I had somebody from Xbox that came in, talked about what Xbox is doing in competitive gaming. Um, I'm trying to think who else we have. I usually have, you know, where it allows every other session. Maybe there's a guest speaker for about half the class. Um, and then I also give them a practical for their final, which is an actual exercise that, you know, I would probably get or give um, as a client or someone with a team. And what I what I do is uh, align them with the pro in the space, and then at the end of the, the, the semester, they deliver their final presentation on their campaign uh, to this professional in the room. So they actually have a chance to create something for their portfolio to take away. They can engage with the pro and basically serve up, you know, something something that they may typically not get to do. So, you know, is it helping increase um, what? helping increase or elevate what Warner Records is doing in gaming space. And they have a big partnership with 2K, for instance. Is it helping uh, High Ground, the peripheral company that's owned by 100 Thieves, to kind of get their name out there more? Things like that. And they have, you know, the full semester to kind of pull this together. Um, and usually they're pretty excited about it because it's, you know, not something typical that they would do in their learnings. Well, it definitely sounds amazing. So what are your thoughts on you know, esports classes in college? Do you think this is going to be a new trend and something we're going to see everywhere? Yeah, I do. Um, I know of at least one major uh, and legacy university that's introducing classes. I think this coming semester, um, they're trying to carve out a new curriculum for themselves. But because of the as we talked about, continued convergence in other verticals and spaces that are outside of gaming, um, I think we're going to see more and more of this. Um, I also think there's a lot of opportunity that folks don't typically think about when they think about esports or gaming. So what are some of the nuanced areas that we, that we chatted about earlier that, that the students can come in and learn about? You know, is it you know, you think about the typical stuff like, yeah, I want to be a, a manager or I want to create social media content, but where are the other, you know, white spaces that we can create together to, to kind of help make a worthwhile career uh, or pipeline for new careers? And in doing that, you can work backwards and, and create curriculum and classes uh, and courses for those to help kind of support those. So I personally am a big advocate for it. I also think that diversity is key. You know, I tried to do a lot of things when I was in school. Uh, every now and again, I, I try something crazy and different here, even 15 years into my career. Um, and so, you know, I implore anyone that's listening or if you're, you know, you have a, a, a son or a daughter that's entering uni and they have an opportunity to take one of these classes, they should. It's, it's, it's more than just going and playing games. It's more than just going and watching a tournament. It's, it's about all facets of the, the space. And I think that's really important. 
Definitely. As someone who teaches these kind of courses myself, I definitely <laughs> know that when I'm teaching a class, there is immediate value. And I think that that's yeah. the biggest thing is having someone like yourself who is eating and breathing and living this and has lived it and done it at this really high level who can yeah. actually speak on what it's like. And yeah. that's where the value is to me in these kind of areas. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So what first drew you to teaching? You know, what do you like most about it? Um, well, my mom was a teacher for a really long time. My dad was a teacher for a short while. Funny enough, that's actually how they met. Um, my mom was a teacher's aide, or I think one of her sisters was a teacher's aide, and then my dad ended up meeting her that way. But anyway, you know, education has been you know a big focal point of uh, of my upbringing. Um, but I, I don't know. I've always had, and maybe this is a product of learning and hearing about it in in our household. Uh, a real appetite for mentoring, and I, I just I want, I want the youth. <laughs> I date myself as saying that. <laughs> I want the youth, the people behind me, to kind of, you know, supersede what I've done. You know, build on what I've done. Just embarrass me with everything you're able to do, and just kill it. And if I can help provide a little bit of acumen or encouragement in getting them to do that, then. That's pretty awesome. And that feels good. And hearing from people that I taught, you know, a couple semesters ago, come back and say, I just got a new job. And you wouldn't believe we were able to actually use this lesson you taught in class. Like, that's dope. That's just so dope to me. Um, or in real time, helping them connect the dots because they don't know where to get started. So it's like, hey, I saw you were connected to so and so on LinkedIn. Can you help me get a meeting together? And then I'll say, absolutely, but let me ask you these series of questions and then let's figure out what the best approach is. Like those moments are really enriching. And I think those moments are even more invaluable than in the classroom themselves. You know, it's, it's learning who the folks are that are really tapping into the opportunity and taking it upon themselves to, to go above and beyond and giving them the keys to hopefully go kick ass, you know? <laughs> absolutely. I think that's, you know, amazing. So to kind of bring this towards the end, what advice do you have for anyone that's trying to work in the esports business? Um, you know, I think don't think so insular. Um, look at look at where the space is and where it's not. And what I mean by that is, you know, kind of alluding to some of the stuff from earlier. Um, look at what some of the brands are that are playing in the space. Look at what some of the agencies are that are playing in the space. You know, think about how, because as you know, it, it can be really tough to crack into the space. That's another similarity with traditional sports. Sometimes getting in the door is tough. But getting in another door and then crossing the hallway into, you know, maybe what you want to do is, is an alternative. Um, so finding, finding a way to align with, you know, some kind of organization or company that is in the space or peripheral to the space that gives you a first look the right kinds of contacts that you need, um, getting you in the space, um, I think is really critical. Um, so thinking about it that way. And then also where it's not, looking at where you think it can improve. And again, talking about white spaces, what's not happening and why is that not happening? And then maybe creating it yourself or going to a company and saying, hey, I know that you specialize in this area but one thing that I think you guys are missing is X, Y, Z, and here's my solution for you. Can we work together on this? And trying to provide yourself with an 
an original opportunity, basically creating your own job because you saw something and you were ingenious enough to figure out, you know, how, how to make that come to life. I think those are, those are, that's kind of my big piece of advice and it can go two ways, I guess. Amazing. Well, I think everyone out there needs to, you know, listen to what MCB has to say. So what's your favorite part about working in the industry? Um, what's my favorite part? I, it's exciting. I mean, there's, it's entertainment, right? Um, it's entertainment and it's business and it's culture and it's lifestyle and it continues to be a big part of lifestyle. So, you know, it's really hard to run into somebody these days and what I'm doing anyway, you know, out there and networking or going to an event and having someone say to me, I don't know anything about gaming or I've never gamed in my life. Like that doesn't really happen anymore. <laughs> you know, it's kind of become ubiquitous and, and really close to a lot of things we're doing. And so it's, it's nice to have that, to be able to relate to people and have a, a, a kind of a kicking off point to, to talk and, and learn about other people and what they're doing and, and build into that. And then again, because it's entertainment, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And sometimes I have to remind myself that and, 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 or the team, like, Hey y'all, this is supposed to be fun. This is games. Like <laughs> remember when we used to play no games? crying in Mario. <laughs> yeah. Remember when we used to pick up the sticks just to pick up the sticks? Like, come on, let's have some fun with this. Um, and that's really exciting. So I, I think those are the reasons why. <laughs> Amazing. So to kind of bring this to the end, what's the future for you know, the agency and for you in the space? Um, the future for POV is bright. Right now, we're trying to really solidify our plans for the next 18 months, um, continue to lean into the right partners and using those filtration systems that I mentioned earlier to, to make sure they align with our DNA, make sure we align with theirs. Also, we're kind of expanding our practice a little bit in the term in terms of, you know, we did a lot of traditional PR, but now we're offering more things like influencer relations and talent relations. Um, you know, we work closely with the studio, so we have production capabilities, we have experiential capabilities, and trying to provide more full service solutions to our clients. So if they have something they want to kind of introduce to the world, then we're able to do that with and for them from top to bottom. Um, with regards to esports and gaming, just getting started, you know, kind of having to build this back up where when I was at the mob, it was kind of all front and center. And there were a number of clients that I was handed. Building this up is really exciting and it's challenging itself. Um, but I'm loving it. And so, you know, if anyone wants to chat, I'm always here. Uh, happy to brainstorm, happy to help troubleshoot. If you just want to, you know, shoot the wind a little bit. Let's do it. Uh, I love having conversations about the space. And if you ask me questions, I will give you honest answers. Even if it's so much as, you know, you know, what do you think of this agency or what do you think of this campaign? You know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be, um, polite. I'll keep it I'll, 100 as they yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. As the youth this day, these days say, we keep it 100. Yeah, man. No cap. We got to keep it 100. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, you know, kind of thank you so much for being a guest. Tell everyone where they can connect with you and, you know, find out what you're working on. Yeah. You can check us out at povagency.co. If you want to email me, I'm mcb at povagency.co. And I'm very active on LinkedIn. So look me up, Michael Chavez Booth. 
Awesome. So thanks again for joining us and everyone for tuning in. And make sure to follow me on Twitter, JustinJESQ, and check all our podcasts, past episodes on Apple Podcasts.